0: Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the life in the front office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Excited to have my guest on and Tyler Potts, director of partnership sales for the LA Rams. And just excited to talk to Tyler about his journey into the partnerships world, uh, his experience across multiple NFL teams, stadiums, uh, and now in a uh, good old fancy LA. So uh, Tyler, welcome to the
1: podcast. Thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, I look forward to chatting with you today.
0: So you you spent some time at Pepperdine, which we're not going to get into the fact that you got to be on top of a hill in Malibu for college. And then Dallas, Vegas and L.A. So so needless to say, you've been in some decent places along the way.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, I've been very lucky that uh, location wise, it hasn't been too uh, too tough on me. Um, The uh, the beaches of Malibu. We, my fr- college friends, and I joke that uh, it's very rare that when you're in college, you live in the most expensive neighborhood um, you'll ever live in in your, in your entire life. Um, so uh, it was great to go to go to school there, and uh, yeah, D- Dallas, Las Vegas, and now back back home in LA. Um, so it's been it's been a, it's been an awesome journey, and uh, I've I've uh, been very lucky so far.
0: When when you think about your career path and journey and someone, you know, calls you up from grad school or or undergrad and they and they go, "Hey, how did you get to where you are? What's kind of the theme for you uh, along your career?" cuz you, you know, look, most people don't get to start in partnerships and get into partnership sales right away. Um, you know, but you've been fortunate in that sense.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I have a um, I have a really strong mentor of mine, Christian Howard. He's the Vice President of Partnerships at the at the Raiders. He was at the Clippers for 25 years. And I was actually in college at a, um, kind of college sports, um, symposium or, a, at the LA athletic club. And he was the Clippers at the time. And there were a couple other LA sports teams up there and they were speaking in a panel to college students. And after the, the panel, I went up to him and I asked, you know, Hey, Mr. Howard, like, I'd love to work in sports. Like, what do you, what do you, what advice do you give? And he was like, dude, go sell for the sparks, go sell for a triple a team, go work at, Go work at you know a WNBA team. Go work at a at a college. He's like, and if you can do that, then like, then come to the NBA. Then go to the NFL, whatever. And the, the story he loves to tell is we inevitably ended up working together when I was at the Raiders. Uh, is I listened to his advice and I graduated from college and went to go work at the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and so, but what I would say small is small like small market, yeah, the, whole, the whole deal. Uh, what I would say is you know for, for me. You know, again, I'm very, very lucky that I had a couple internship experiences working at USC Sports Properties uh, and then interning at the Cowboys that led to, you know, having the introductions and connections to start my career on the partnership marketing side at the Cowboys. Um, But what I tell when I talk to to students, um, the differences that I see in the interns that get hired on full time and the interns that get patted on the back and say, hey, thanks for coming. Great job. Very rarely has to do with their level of, of work, like the actual work they produce and has much more to do with, do they care? And are they willing to go above and beyond what they're asked to do? Um, and that doesn't mean like you stay 14 hours just to stay 14 hours. But that means at the end of the day, when you're, if it's, hey, you're supposed to be go home at five o'clock do go around to the team and say, Hey, what can I help you with? How can I help you finish your day? Right. Um, it means when it's like, Hey, we need someone to volunteer to help do this appearance with a player on Saturday or go to this community event. Yeah. Hey, be the first one to raise your hand. Um, because there's a lot of people that show up from nine to five and do great work within that nine to five. Um, but if you're not willing to go above and beyond that, and again, I don't necessarily mean hours, but an effort and care, um, that those are the people that make that make the difference or, or make it in, that I've seen.
0: Yeah, I love your point about it's not always the hours, right? It's just purely the approach or um, you know the the context of like where you're helping, right? Yeah. As opposed to what um, when you think about your experience going from internships to full time job, making that transition, I think a lot of a lot of people in the industry, it's like there's there's these hurdles, right? It's like okay, so from intern to full time job, from full time job of you know entry level to mid level to then, right? It's like there's always this transition in each step. Yeah. Um, and in your case, right, for the most part, you had to go somewhere else to move up, and that's the case for a lot of people. But what would what advice would you give to somebody from the the transition aspect of you know, it for you, you went from intern to entry level at the same place. And so therefore, sometimes people still see you as the intern, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, and it was a, it was a conversation um, that the, my, my boss at the time, Jennifer Sargalski, and you know, had with me of like, hey, you 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 aren't the intern anymore. So one, act like that, right? Make sure that your actions show that you're not. Um, and the quality of your work needs to needs to show as well. Um, you know, I think at a, at a place like that, you know, I was lucky that there was another intern that came behind me um, that filled my spot in the intern in, in the internship. Uh, so it wasn't like I was having to still do the same things plus the full time job. Um, but I think it's it's in each of those transitions, you know, whether it was from intern to full time or you know. Soon as soon as you became a coordinator, you're like, okay, I want to be a manager. And as soon as you become a manager, I want to be a senior manager. And I want to be a director and, and so on and so forth. And as a director, you're like, great, when am I have the opportunity to be a VP, right? Those are all of the, the, the things that are part of that transition. And what I would say is there were a lot of times in my career where I thought I was ready. Like, oh, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this next one. I'm ready for the next one. And I had good mentors that said, hey, be patient. You're not ready yet. Um, and that was frustrating at the time. And I look back now and when I ultimately got those opportunities, I said, oh, I wasn't ready. Oh, I'm better now because I because I didn't get the promotion 18 months and I got it 24 months in or 26 months in, whatever. Um, and so I think like the the patience to know, hey, when am I truly ready to take those steps and having mentors around you that will help tell you that you're ready. And then knowing that like, as every every step of the way, it it looks like uh, the grass is greener, but there is, there is a learning curve. There's a, there's challenges. There are new new experiences that you have to master, um, and so there's a ton of growth in that. And the patience in that growth, I think, is really important.
0: And going from the the partnership marketing, the activation side to then selling, right? Two totally different things. Still yeah. similar, right? Depending on how places are structured and and so on. Uh, you know, you could be doing upsells. Look, yeah. you're always selling. We all know that. But yeah. um, talk a little bit about that transition from the activation yeah. side sales because a lot of times you get people. I, I just want to go sell. It's like, whoa! It's actually really beneficial to understand the activation side to to even. Just simply understand what can, what can and can't you do. Yeah. That way, you're not selling something that a colleague and coworker looks at you and go,
1: "You sold what?" Right? One hundred percent. No, I, I am. Uh, I was a better was a better seller because of my time on the partnership marketing. I'm a better manager of sellers now because of my time on the partnership marketing. Um, I think I hopefully empathize with the, the partial marketing side better having started my career over there. And, um, you know, for me, I kind of looked at it as like the ticket sales route was not like, was not for me. Right. I, I was not gonna, you know, if it was, Hey, make the most phone calls, make, make, make a thousand phone calls today. And, and that was the, that was the track. Like I was gonna, I was gonna not be successful at it. Like just candidly, that was not going to be, wasn't going to be fruitful for me. And so I thought, okay, how can I? How can I still get into? Ultimately, I want to be in you know, the revenue generating side of the business because that's where I see, you know, the uh, the opportunity for growth. And so, you know, starting on the partnership marketing side helped me learn tremendous amount of of foundation of the partnership world. And to your point, like sitting in a meeting and a, and a prospect says, "Hey, you know, data collection is really important to us." And I can think back to a time where we did an activation with a partner and garnered data collection, and say, "Well, great! Here's a case study of a partner that had similar goals and objectives, and here's how we actually accomplished it through these assets. Let's just do that. You know, take some of those learnings and do that for for your brand, right? Um, so definitely makes me a better seller. I would say one of the one of the great things about my time in Dallas is that organization's partnership marketing team and sales team are super intertwined that it was very rare that a sales rep was in a meeting by himself or a partnership marketing person was in a meeting by himself we all sat together we were all inter- intermingled together in our department and because of that i got to go with a lot of really great sellers on pitches got to be a part of a lot of meet really big big pitch meetings and then even on some accounts, um, got to actually do the pitching myself when they were house accounts or when they were, um, you know, partner upsells and things like that. And so, you know, I think on the partnership side, even if you're on the partnership marketing side, you're in, you're in sales a little bit because, you know, if a partner calls and says, Hey, I, I really want to do X or Hey, I, I want to I do a player appearance, but it has to be this player. Well, well sometimes the answer to those things is, is no, Right. But you you, ha, you can't you shouldn't say no to people that give you seven figures um, in revenue. You should say, okay, help me understand what your objective is. And let's see if there's a different asset or a different avenue that we can do that we can go down to accomplish that. It may not be the one you thought or the one you want. so it might be no, but if, but it's not no and then we walk away. It's not this, but ha, like but is there another way? And that's, in my opinion, that's all sales is: is clients telling you what they want or what they don't want. People telling you no, and figuring out how to get them to a, a yes in some in some shape or form. Um, and really, that you know, I think some of the best partnership marketing people are also really great sellers. And so that experience has helped me tremendously become, you know, a, a better seller, and now, um, you know, a better manager of, of the of the of my sellers. Um, because of because of that experience. And I think, you know, again, the, the foundation I had in Dallas where they were so intertwined and you could be with sales reps and parts of marketing team, parts of marketing team got involved super early in the sales process. Um, and it got to, you know, I got to sit in a ton of sales meetings and because my transition into the, the legend side and the Raider side came through the Cowboys, you know, I was probably afforded an opportunity to sell because probably, but I wouldn't have been if I had been, you know, applying for the job from the outside.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. When, when you think about the, the phrase opportunity for growth that you used earlier, and you think about, you know, just the the partnership side in general, you've been fortunate enough to be in some massive buildings, right? (laughs) Some, some shiny toys, things that are really easy to potentially sell the brands of of positioning themselves in markets, right? And then if you peel the onion back and you go, okay, what is Tyler passionate about when he's working in these roles? Because it's not just yeah. the logo that's on your polo. It's not, or the business card, right? It's not the, the building you get to walk into every day necessarily. Like what about the actual partnerships business interests you? Um, yeah. What, what, what makes you motivated each day in that sense?
1: Yeah so it's a great question. I think it's, it's, it's two things. I think one it's, um, this side of the business is, uh, it's, it's really about relationships. Um, and I love getting to build those relationships with people. I love that there are brands that I work with in Dallas and people more importantly at those brands that are still some of my, you know, some great friends of mine. Right. Um, and the relationships you get to build, um, the, and sometimes, you know, sometimes there's tension in like in those negotiations and things like that, but, but those re- deep, deep relationships you build, um, through creating these, these really awesome partnerships. That's, that's what's what I love about it. Um, it's, it's really cool to, to get to build those, you know, build these partnerships and build the relationships. The other piece of it, and this is where I've been tremendously lucky in my career is to get to work on like bleeding edge partnership opportunities, right? So, when you think of when I was, you know, my time at the Cowboys and, you know, some of the partnership we worked on as we built out the star and really the first ever team to monetize their practice facility, right? And really build a practice facility that was open to the public, you could have tours at that, you know, generated sponsorship revenue outside of just their naming rights, um, stuff that wasn't just Sports Business Journal front page news, but was sports industry front page news and, and really innovative partnerships. And I think that, that my time at the Star and at the Cowboys, like getting to work on things that were really, really bleeding edge in, in the space and then going to going to Las Vegas and working on, you know, at the time was, was one of two of the biggest projects in, in NFL history, right? With, with, the, with SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium getting built at the same time. Um, And, and, you know, taking a team and and starting from total scratch and really building, building a partnership roster um, that, you know, that took the Raiders from, from kind of at the bottom half of the NFL in partnership revenue to, to the top half uh, or the top few um, in partnership revenue. So getting to do, getting to be part of a, a transformation within a stadium, transformation within a, within a franchise, that was, that was awesome. And then I look at my time here in L.A., And doing things like working on our partnership with with Rocket Mortgage and the Draft House, where we, were the, you know, we rent we'd rented out a beach house in Malibu, and instead of doing our draft in a stuffy conference room with coaches and scouts in suits, you know, our coach was in shorts and a t shirt in a twenty five million dollar mansion in Malibu that we branded Rocket Mortgage drafting drafting our players looking out over the Pacific Ocean, Um, and for that to for us to get more impressions from our draft press conference this year. Than any other team got, and we didn't even have a first or second round pick. Like those are the things that are hopefully dis- disruptive in a positive way in the in the partnership industry. That it's really fun to get to be a part of, and and that's really what like creating those again positively disruptive partnerships is um, is kind of the the pinnacle, in my opinion.
0: I'll go back to your relationship point at the beginning because. What's interesting is it's, I mean, mean, look, it's a buzzword, right? It's like, oh, great, great, you know, create great relationships. Okay, great. Uh, Network for the relationship, build your relationships, leverage them. But then it's another thing to actually do it and do it successfully, which again, success is to your own measure. But um, when you think about building the relationship, what are the one or two things that you focus on the most tactically or strategically in terms of building the relationship and how do you actually
1: go about it? Yeah. You know, It's, it's a great question. And I actually had a conversation with some of my team about this recently, not every single one of your partners is going to be your like best friend. And they're not all going to love you all the time. Right. Um, so you have to, you, there are certain relationships that you build that you that, okay, this is, a, this is, a work relationship but also has a personal side to it there are some that are just work ones and you have to treat all your partners equally but you have to build those relationships the same way but you have to also be comfortable that like not everyone's going to love you back the way that you might love love them and I would say the the biggest piece of that is is being being genuine um and being yourself because if you're not genuine then over time you will get you will get tired of the relationship because you have to try and be something you're not all the time. And really, really what, what I've truly believe if you'd said, Hey, what's the, what is the core of your job or what's the core of your role? And, and really probably in any sales role, but specifically, I think on the partnership side, it it's two things. Do the people at the other side of the table trust you and do the people on the other side of the table want to want to do business with you? If they trust you, and you've built rapport and likability and they, they think you're someone you wanna do business with, the rest of the stuff will get worked out. It may not be with that, it may not be this deal with that brand today, but it but it might be at, they may be at another brand in three, four or five years. You may be in another place and there might be an opportunity to work together, right? So, you know, I think the biggest piece is, how do you, how do you, how are you genuine? How do you create likability and build rapport? Um, and how are you making sure that it's not about the deal, but it's about building the right relationship, creating that trust so that they want, want to do business with you and being okay with them saying, hey, this is, I, I like you, you're great. We enjoy working together. This isn't the right deal for us right now. And having some comfortability walking away from that sometimes and be like, okay, because you know there's another one down the road um, because of the relationship you built.
0: And it's a fine line and then we'll be- your answer is probably going to say, "Well, it depends," but that person that says no, no way, but you've created some sort of foundation of a relationship. How do you stay in touch with them? What's the what's the cadence? And I know the answer is it depends, but yeah. uh, you know, is is there a hey? I just for all the people that I've connected with that haven't really gone anywhere, I, I connect with them once a year, and it's on this you know this date or whatever the case might be.
1: I'm not quite that organized. I, I probably should be. Um, I should probably have like calendar reminders um, to to ping people and, and reach out. But, you know, I think, I think it is some of that though, though, Jake, it's, it's making sure you have a cadence of, Oh, I haven't talked to this person in a while and not needing a business reason to talk to somebody, right. Just pinging them. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, what are you up to? Hey, I'm going to be in your city. Let's grab a drink. And it's not, it's not because you have a motive. It's not because you're working a deal. It's just because you're trying to build that that relationship, and I think that's what's that's what's important. So you you know figure out the cadence you're comfortable with. I I've had brands that I that did ultimately didn't do a deal with, and I thought we built a great relationship. And you know, there's the fun like gimmicky sales things of like send them a bottle of champagne and say keep it on ice for when we finally do get a partnership together, right? Like there's there's all that kind of stuff, but I think the the genuine relationship building. It's creating that cadence you're comfortable with, but, n- but making sure that you're not only ever talking to them when you have something to pitch them or you have something to sell them. It's, hey, I just, just checking in and hope you're doing well, right? Like handwritten and, and mixing up how you do it, right? Is it a handwritten note? Is it a call? Is it a text? Is it an email? Is it an invite to a game? But hey, no, there's no strings attached to this. Just, just, come, just come hang with us, right? Um, so you're right. It does, it does depend, but it's finding the cadence you're comfortable with. Love
0: it! All right, let's wrap up with some rapid fire. Are You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, favorite stadium you've been to and/or worked at?
1: Well, oh, uh, stadium I've worked at. I mean, SoFi takes the cake. Um, I've worked at three great ones, but SoFi is newest and it's um, it's just an entertainment mecca. It's it's the greatest in sports entertainment. Um, my favorite stadium outside of outside of the ones I've worked at, though. Um, and this is a tough one since I've, they're the only team that's ever beaten me in the playoffs is, is Lambeau field. Uh, that place has nostalgia and history and is the one place where still after 10 years, you walk on the sideline, uh, there in Lambeau and you feel like, oh, this is, this is football Mecca.
0: You mentioned the beaches. Uh, you mentioned being from LA, but do you have a favorite
1: beach? Uh yeah Zuma Beach in in Malibu uh, my my favorite I I proposed to my wife at the at the cliffs over it grew up going there as a kid um so Zuma Zuma Beach is the spot
0: sport outside of football since that's kind of the the career path you've taken uh, Yeah. that
1: interests you the most from a business perspective Oh man that's a that's a great question um and I think the, the cool thing about The NBA is how global it is. Um, I would say if there's one area where the NBA kind of has an edge on the on the NFL is is their how they've grown the game globally. Um, And so I think if you know if I was looking at from a business perspective, what is something I haven't really tapped into or gotten to experience on the NFL side? It's 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 the global nature of of a business, and and the NBA has that, which I think is pretty cool.
0: If someone's coming to LA place that they have to go to that you just can't miss before you get back on the plane to leave
1: um so there's a there's a couple um scopa italian uh is one of my favorite italian spots they're in uh mar vista um that's a that's a great spot there's a. Uh, There's a, there's a little post-game spot. It's got some great chicken tenders called Mr. Furley's in the, in the Valley that we hit, Um, you know, that's where, that's our, that's our post-game. If we get a W post-game chicken tender uh, uh, spot after the games, those are my, those are my two favorite spots.
0: All right, last one for you. If, if Sean calls you and said, Tyler, you're, you're getting on the field, what position are you playing?
1: Oh man, hopefully one of zero importance. Otherwise we're in a lot of trouble. you know, at a very, very low level, um, I, play, I played a little bit of, of tight end, but I'm well undersized to play tight end. Um, so if you just you need me to, like, get down and, and get in front of somebody, like, may, maybe I'm playing a blocking tight end that I can just take someone out at the knees, that's about as good as I'm going to be uh, helping the team in, in that situation.
0: I thought you were going to say, you know, field goal kicker or, you know, some point maybe punters, you know, less action, but you're on the field
1: sort of thing. Yeah. We're not putting the ball or kicking the ball very far. If I'm, uh, if I'm doing any of those things. fair.
0: Well, Tyler, really appreciate your perspectives, insights, sharing your journey uh, through the partnership landscape thus far. Excited to see what is ahead for you and and the Rams, of course. But uh, nonetheless, we'll, we'll have you on again in the future and uh, appreciate the
1: time. Of course, Jake. So, so much fun chatting with you and uh, look forward to talking again soon. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.